If I could travel back in time and tell myself what I know now, would I do it? If I did, I could avoid so many mistakes that I made while starting my business, Mariposa Skies. However, it's those mistakes that taught me a lot of great lessons. And those lessons are valuable and worth acknowledging. Many of those lessons I learned during my travels buying fashion for the Mariposa Skies shop. Curious to learn what those lessons are? That's what we'll be diving into in today's episode. Hello, and welcome to The Anxious Adventurer. I'm Katie Schlegel, your host here on The Anxious Adventurer podcast, and I'm an anxious adventurer. I know that may sound contradicting, but I'm here to tell you that if the thought of traveling somewhere brings up those feelings of anxiety or stress, you've come to the right place. I've traveled to over 17 countries around the world, I've lived in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and trekked across South America solo. I don't say these things to impress you. No, that is not what I'm here for. I say these things to let you know that every single one of those experiences had moments where my anxiety made me feel like I could not do it. So if that's how you feel or have ever felt, you are not alone. My hope for you, my dear anxious adventurer, is that you are inspired by these travel stories so that you too will be swept off into the world that traveling can open up for you. You just have to step out your door and don't you worry, I am right here beside you. I'm not only your host here on the podcast, but I'm also the owner of an online ethical fashion boutique that showcases independent artisans from around the globe. I know I've mentioned Mariposa Skies before, and today I wanted to dive in a little deeper to the very beginning stages of her birth. In today's episode, I will be sharing with you some handy tips that I've learned during my buying trips around the world. Mariposa Skies started in the world markets. That's how I found the fashion, and to this day, it's how I connect with new artisans. The local markets have been a key factor in finding the unique, high-quality fashion that you see in the shop today. But I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Before we go on this world market tour, I want to first tell you just how amazing you are. I'm almost at 500 downloads, and to me, that is a major milestone for this podcast. And I could not have done any of this without you, my listeners. You, after all, are the ones who are downloading these episodes. So please keep sharing this podcast with your travel buddies, other anxious adventurers out there, and keep listening. I'm sending each of you a big, big thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in for each episode and listening. Today's episode is going to be a little mix of both tips, tricks, and some stories sprinkled in there of how to navigate markets around the world like a pro and not let your anxiety get the best of you. I'm going to be giving you some insider knowledge as well as what I learned from the mistakes I've made while on these buying trips. That word mistake can have such a negative connotation, can't it? One that often comes with some shame, remorse, or having a conversation with yourself that, let's just say, is not so nice. I've made a lot of mistakes in my many years of traveling. Some I wish I didn't, but alas, there they are. I can't go back and erase them. I can't travel back in time, so I might as well learn from them and pass these lessons on to you. In today's episode, I want to give you a little bit of a deep dive into how to shop the world's markets. 
For now, I want you to hold on to those passports. We aren't hopping on a plane just yet, because first, there are some things we need to know before we go on this world shopping spree. So grab a pen and paper and get ready to take some notes, because in today's episode, I will be sharing with you some all-important to-knows about general information surrounding most local markets. These tips apply to almost any market around the world, whether it be local in your hometown or one you encounter while traveling this great planet. Each one of these tips will be useful to know before you go, while you're there, and of course, before you start making your purchases. Mariposa Skies started in the local markets. My very first buying trip was in Marrakesh in their local market known as the Six. To be candid with you, I didn't know what I was doing starting a business, let alone what exactly I wanted Mariposa Skies to become. It took a lot of trial and error and fleshing out what was and was not important. It started with my love of travel, and the fashion I would buy during my trips would always be the pieces that would start conversations with complete strangers. I would then be able to tell them where I got it and who made it, and maybe a story or two from my travels. I found it to help me connect my love of travel and culture together with people here in the United States. It was a roundabout way that I could teach people about culture and diversity, and they really seemed to be open and fascinated by it. So in order to keep doing what I loved, I figured out a way where I could travel and bring these fashion finds back to the U.S. and sell them. With each buying trip I went on, it progressed into what Mariposa Skies is today. Rather than just a marketplace that sells goods from around the world, it's become an online ethical boutique shop that supports independent global artisans by providing a platform for them to sell their fashion and tell their story. But it wouldn't be what it is today if it weren't for the local markets where I first found the fashion. As I went on each buying trip, I realized these markets were the best places to also connect with the makers of those fashion pieces. So whether you're looking to start your own business or want some stellar tips on how to shop different markets around the world, this episode will be a great starting off point for you. Just remember, each market is different and unique to the city or town you're in. No one is exactly the same, but what I've learned over time is that there is some universal knowledge that can help you navigate each one like a pro. So where do you start? Well, you know me. I want to be as prepared as I possibly can before I go. And with that, I always start with research. Yep. Do some good old-fashioned research about the local markets. This will not only get you excited about the trip, it will also give you some ideas of what the local markets have to offer. It never hurts to start making your shopping list early. How, you may ask? Well, it's as simple and free as a quick Google search using keywords like local markets in Marrakesh or artisan markets in the city of Buenos Aires. However you choose to say it, Google will have a wealth of information for you. You may be saying, that's great and all, but I want something tangible to read. And I totally get that. Another way to do your research is to get yourself a guidebook for the city you will be going to. Why the city and not the country? If you're traveling all over that country, a country guide is great. 
But oftentimes the guidebook for that specific city will have so much more valuable and detailed information about the actual city you will be in. It will give you all those off-the-beaten-path places to check out for shopping, food, and more. I often will get a guide for the country as well as a pocket guide for the city. Currently, my favorite is Lonely Planet, but you have to find one that fits your needs. I just find that Lonely Planet has an assortment of books, ebooks, maps, and even phrase books that are really wonderful for travel. This is also a fun way to get a little local knowledge on not only the marketplaces, but the food and even the culture before you go. So now that you know what you need to do before you go, it's time to know what you need to do when you get there. While I love to Google to my heart's content and fall asleep reading my Lonely Planet City Guide, here's an insider's tip for you. Once you get to your destination, it's time to seek out and find reliable sources. Now, who do I deem reliable sources? Well, the locals, of course. I always ask the locals where the best markets are. It's their city after all, and they know their city or town better than any guidebook or Google resource. To find them, I start with talking to the people who work at the hotel, hostel, or who own the vacation rental of where I'm staying at, and then go from there. But here's the key. I not only ask them, I also seek counsel from the waiter or waitress at the local food joint I eat breakfast at every morning. Oftentimes, your waitress or waiter won't have ties to the touristy places. They also give you other valuable information, such as when the best time is to go to the market or try shopping along a certain local street instead to find the best pieces or deals. Most of the time, their tips are far better than any experts you get at a local hotel or in a guidebook. After that, I then compare notes to see where the information overlaps, and that's where I start. And on a connection level, this is just a side note, asking locals also creates an opening to get to know a person in another country. If you're an introvert like I am, this is where you have to put your extrovert hat on. I know, I don't love it either. Trust me, I'd rather just hide behind a book or a computer screen, but that's not why we decided to travel, now is it? No. This is where you can turn from being a tourist that's just being served breakfast from a stranger every morning to becoming a seeker of knowledge that has the opportunity to get to know someone from that city, which will make your traveling experience that more valuable and memorable. It also circles back to those conversations, being able to connect you to people, which in turn can make you feel more at ease with your surroundings, making the unfamiliar more familiar. Remember that tip I gave you in an earlier episode about ways to ease your travel anxiety? This is another great way this tip comes in handy. If you're new here or forgot, here's a refresher. Always try to go to the same place for coffee, tea, or breakfast each day. It makes traveling alone not so lonely when you see a familiar face smiling back at you. They may even remember your name and what you like to order, which will make the settling in process more comfortable and friendly, thus easing your travel anxiety. And this is the part I didn't mention before. Since you're giving a local business your support, oftentimes that gratitude is repaid to you through local insider information. 
like where to shop. Just a side note though, please remember you are not doing this to solely extract from the people you meet. There needs to be a give and take on your part as well. So whether that be a kind word, an extra tip, an excellent review, or a shout out on social media, always pay it forward. Okay, so you've got your guidebook and you did your Google research. You've now cross-referenced them with the local knowledge. Now it's time to go shopping. Well, not so fast. There's just one last thing to do in this prep phase, and it's probably the most important, meaning you don't want to skip this step. With many local markets in cities all over the world, there are written and unwritten rules to adhere by. Some rules may quite literally save your life, while other rules are part of the culture and customs of that particular town, city, or country. Whether they are written or unwritten, it is really good to know these rules before you make your first purchase. And if you're worrying about your safety right now, local markets are totally safe and amazing. You just need to know a few tips before you start shopping. And here's your first one, tip number one. Know your currency conversion before you step foot in the market. This one can throw anyone in a state of panic and overwhelm. And yes, this is where your anxiety can come up as well. You're dealing with money that is quite literally foreign to you. So to prepare yourself before you go, I recommend downloading a currency conversion app so you can quickly convert the prices being thrown at you. And sometimes prices are flying every which way. But if you don't have access to do this on your phone, don't worry. You can totally do this old school and in your head. A good rule of thumb is to round the numbers up or down. And before you get all hot and bothered by the math, no, I am no math wizard here. In fact, I failed quite a lot of math tests in my day, so you're totally fine. Don't worry. Here's an example of what I mean. Say you're in the souks of Marrakesh and the shop owner tells you that what you're buying is 100 dirhams. That is converting at the moment around $10.20 US dollars. So now you know, for every 100 Moroccan dirhams, you will pay around $10 US. This way, you can quickly do the math in your head. If the numbers get too large to do the math, or if you're terrible at doing math in your head, you can't see me right now, but I'm raising my hand, keep your phone calculator handy. Or if you're not comfortable getting out your phone, bring a little pocket calculator along so you can do some quick calculations. Moving on to tip number two, always do a walkthrough first. A walkthrough allows you to see first what the market has to offer and what you're attracted to, as well as if the same item is being offered three stalls down. During the walkthrough, you want to engage and interact, but that's really it. Here's how it could look. Pick up the item, little tip here, first ask if it's okay, of course. Then ask how much it is. Politely put it down and say thank you. Try not to engage too much like you're interested. I made the mistake of doing just that in the souks. I showed some interest, but ultimately decided not to get the item. I was then yelled at and called some nasty names. Please know though, that is not a normal experience. Sometimes it happens and you just cannot please everybody. I apologized and went on my way. 
Most likely it was maybe another tourist that put the shop owner in a foul mood or he just was having a bad day and he took it out on me. Just try not to take it personal and don't feel obligated to make a purchase either if that happens. After you've looked at your fill of the market, go back to the shops where you liked the prices or the quality of the items most. It is then that you can start to do your negotiating. A word on pushy selling tactics. Sometimes this can happen too. If they will not leave you alone and let you look, then it's time to move on. For me, since I travel by myself a lot, this makes me feel extremely uncomfortable. And it's not the uncomfortable that's good and pushes you out of your comfort zone uncomfortable. It's the uncomfortable where I just know this is not going to end well. So I move on as quickly as I can from those situations. It's important to feel safe when you're shopping in markets around the world. Those who try to intimidate you are not the ones you want to do business with. An example of the opposite of this was a gentleman in the souks who offered my friend and I some Moroccan mint tea and conversation before even asking if we wanted to shop. I could tell he was a genuine soul, and by saying yes to his invitation to tea, we had a lovely time. He even pointed us to his friend's spice shop next door. And to this day, these two shops are my go-to places to visit and the souks every time I go back to Marrakesh. And if people ask me where they should start shopping in the souks, I always tell them to go to their shops. Tip number three, know your market. This means figure out if it's customary to haggle or negotiate your price, wait for them to offer you a better deal, or if the price is the price, no negotiations. The way you figure this out is by researching, observing, and asking the locals. Are you seeing how this all builds on each other? (laughs) I've been in all three situations, and it's deeply dependent upon the culture and the customs. Here are some examples of markets where you can encounter each. In Bali's Ubud Artisan Market, it's customary to have them tell you the price. If you think it's a good price, then you say okay. If you want a lower price, you pause and think. They will either ask you to tell them a price or they will tell you a lower price. It definitely has a more relaxed atmosphere. In the souks of Marrakesh, you counter right away. And there is a kind of bantering back and forth about how, no, that's too much or that's way too little. It can be a more playful match back and forth with each other. In Buenos Aires, typically the prices are set and you don't really negotiate. Buenos Aires artisan markets are a little different because you're most likely dealing with the makers themselves and not someone who just is selling the items. In Tokyo, it depends on the market. Typically, the flea markets can be a place to find some great vintage pieces. Usually they are set prices, but if you buy several items from the same place, sometimes they will throw in an extra gift. An example of this was at a flea market on the outskirts of Tokyo. I saw this beautiful and brightly colored kimono. I fell in love with it and just had to have it. The person selling it took a liking to my enthusiasm for her items and threw in a couple beautiful and brightly colored obi belt ribbons with my purchase from her. So... As you can see, each market is different. And here's a bonus tip for you. 
Typically, a good rule to go by in global markets is that when they don't have a set price on the items, that tells you the price is up for negotiation. However, when there is a written price on the item, it typically means that's a set price. No negotiations. If you start to negotiate on a set price, it can sometimes be seen as insensitive to do so, so just be aware of the market you're in. Another part of knowing your market is knowing how to navigate it, as in walking around, (laughs) literally. (laughs) Remember when I said some of these rules might literally save your life? I wasn't being overly dramatic here. This particular tip is specific to the souks, and it's this. Remember to always stay to the right. Whether you're coming or going, stay to the right. I'll explain this more in depth in my next episode, but for now, just remember to stay to the right and you'll be fine. Tip number four. The more you buy, the less you pay per item. Oftentimes, if you buy more from the same shop, the price per item will start to go down. So be sure to ask if you buy two or three of those awesome earrings, could you get them all at a lower price? This is a great way to buy gifts. If you love it and you know two of your friends or family members back home would love it too, then you save yourself a little money in the process. Remember, it never hurts to ask. The only thing they can say is no. I know that a no can feel very rejecting, but you have to remember they are there to do business. This is their livelihood, and that is something to be respected. Don't go around trying to nickel and dime everything to a lower price. Sometimes I pay them the first price they tell me because I know the value of these items that I'm purchasing. I want to be sure I make honest transactions, ones that will lift them and their communities up. That's why it's a policy and a core value at Mariposa Skies that the artisans call the shots and tell me what the prices are. I never negotiate for a lower price, and I make sure to ask them to honestly tell me if they are getting the value they deserve from this transaction. You never want to deplete a community of their resources by cheapening their hard work by paying less for these amazing handmade pieces of fashion, art, or whatever it is that you're purchasing. It's always better to pay them for the value of their craft and the time it took them to make it. It's just good business. And this brings me to my final tip for you. Tip number five, bring cash and stash it in a safe place. Often local markets only take cash. So go in ready with some local currency. That being said, the world continues to be more connected and I'm finding marketplaces that were once cash only are now set up to take credit cards. An example of this is Buenos Aires. Many of the people at the stalls are the actual makers themselves who have their own credit card portals. But more often than not, cash is still king and will sometimes even get you a better deal because the owner of the shop or stall won't have to incur the credit card fees. So just keep that in mind. Now, since I was purchasing large amounts for Mariposa Skies in the beginning, I found myself having to have a lot of cash on hand for my market buys. So one way I felt safer carrying around all that cash was getting it ready in my room before I went to the market. What do I mean by this? Well, basically I would take the different note amounts of money, fold them individually, and stack them. Then I would put that stack in my bra. 
I know that sounds over the top and maybe like a little too much information for you, but since I got my wallet stolen on my very first trip abroad, I am probably overly aware of my surroundings. Plus, I don't want to be worrying about my purse or my wallet while shopping in the markets. It's not that I automatically expect that I'll get robbed. It's just smart, plain and simple. Now, I realize this can get to be a little awkward if you're in a more conservative country, but I find it's more of a conversation starter than anything. One guy in Buenos Aires even told me, it's a good spot, to which we both laughed. If you're worried about offending someone, then a good tip is to turn around and pull out your money discreetly. It takes some practice, but it's totally doable. I typically will put larger amounts on one side, and smaller amounts on the other side, so I know which side to pull from. If you're a guy, you can put your money in your sock or somewhere else no one can easily get to it. All right, that was the final one. So now it's time to pull out those passports and start your world market shopping tour. If you're interested in seeing how I did on my purchases using these two no's and tips, This week, I'm releasing a small collection of market finds and one-offs in the Mariposa Skies shop. Many are totally unique and one-of-a-kind. Others are product ideas that never got off the ground, or I was just lazy and never put them on the website. You can find the link to the special World Market Collection in the show notes. Each piece, I tell you where I got it and if it was a market buy or artisan made. Now... Go and have some fun traveling and shopping the markets around the world. Before we end this episode, this is the part where I ask you for those travel stories. If you have a travel story where you learned a significant life lesson or where you met someone along the way that had a big impact on your life, I want to invite you to come on the podcast and be one of my guests for a future episode. Please reach out and get in touch with me at anxiousadventuresclub at gmail.com. I'd love to start featuring you, my listeners, and your amazing travel adventures here on the podcast. In fact, I have a short story from listener and travel adventure, Linda G. After she listened to my last episode about my 40th birthday and the unexpected snowstorm, she wrote in with her own travel story, and it just so happened to be a snow story too from her most recent adventure to which she titled, Careful What You Wish For. Here's what she had to say. One item on our itinerary, which was somewhat in doubt, was a visit to Crater Lake due to a heavy snowfall. Imagine our delight when an email to the park ranger came back with the news that the south entrance road was plowed and no chains or snow tires required. The weather forecast was early snow showers followed by clear skies, so we set off after breakfast. I should have been more worried after passing the sign that said avalanche zone, but I thought we would soon be seeing Crater Lake. The reality was this, though. The rooftop viewing area was closed because of snow and fog. You even had to enter the building from the basement. There was a snow ramp you could climb to try to take a peek, but there was the ever-helpful National Park Service posting a sign stating, Danger! Falling will cause injury or death. So I can honestly say I went to Crater Lake, but saw it? Not really. 
Oh man, that's the worst when you're so close but don't get to see what you wanted to see due to unforeseen weather. Those unexpected snowstorms can either be amazing or really put a damper on your plans. No pun intended. And the warnings from the National Park Service? You gotta love that. Sometimes, even when things seem to be headed your way, they still don't go according to plan. Thanks for writing in and telling me about your recent snow story adventure, Linda. So, just like Linda, if you're willing to write in and tell me about your adventure stories, I want to start collecting them and sharing them here on the podcast. All you have to do is email me at anxiousadventuresclub at gmail.com. Put in the subject line, my travel experience, and then fill that email with your story or stories. Feel free to include any tips or lessons you learned along the way. That way this podcast can become a co-creation between you and me and really start to help those anxious adventurers out there become more brave and knowledgeable. I can't wait to see those stories in my inbox. Okay, that concludes this episode. I hope you took some notes and feel like you got some good insider tips on how to shop the world markets. Have a question for me? I'd love to answer. Just hit me up on Instagram at Skies. You can DM me at any time. I love to talk travel and help any way that I can. And if it's a question that I think would benefit us all, then I'll share it here on one of the upcoming episodes. Instagram is also the place where I share all the photographs, videos, and visuals for each podcast episode. And as always, thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you learned a little, laughed a little, and my hope is that it left you with some things to think about. All right. That's it for now. Until next time, my dear anxious adventurers. Ciao. Besos.